สวัสดีตอนเช้าพี่น้องนะครับ That's that's good morning, brothers and sisters. Um, one of the great things about being able to see another culture, being in another part of the world, is to see those cultural things that God uses as uh, gifts to His people, and then to see how the people of God use those cultural things that they have to serve God. So in Thailand, people will use Thai music or dance. Or uh, the way they worship, the way they relate to one another, the food that they make—they use all those things as ways to serve God. Uh, and I just wanted to encourage you, coming back to this environment, especially to weather like this, there is a cultural thing that happens, and this is serious. There's a cultural thing that happens. It creates a resilience among people, like a, a strength of it's April and it's still freezing, but we're gonna get out there, right? Now that's not always the attitude, but I think I would just encourage you to use that for the glory of God today. Uh, as you're scraping that windshield, say, "Praise the Lord, we're going to church," or "Praise the Lord, I'm shoveling the walk. This is the world God has made. He has given me the ability to do this, and the strength to do this, and the joy to use this to serve Him." So that that bit of resilience. Um, most of the world would come to this and say, eh, "I'm staying home." But uh, praise the Lord, He's given us that gift today. So we're going to look today at Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, and we will be reading verses one through eleven. <clears throat> Philippians chapter two. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love. Any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much today for your word. We thank you that we can open this book today, Father, and know that you sent your Son Jesus Christ to this earth to be. One of us to live with us to share this life with us to know its joys and its trials and its suffering and Father we thank you for that gift and now as we open these words we pray that you would open our hearts our eyes our ears our hearts that we would see these things and be changed by them all for your honor and glory and we pray these things in Jesus name Amen. One of the things I love about living in Thailand is the way that Thai people greet one another. They use a hand gesture called a Y. I love it because that Y holds an opportunity for me to show people how much I care about them. 
When Thai people why one another, the way they why is a reflection of the relationship that they have with that other person. If that other person is older than them or is of higher social status, they hold their hands higher in relationship to their face. But if that person that you're greeting is younger than you or of lower social status, you hold your hands in a lower position. Now, in many contexts, this can kind of become a bit of a social game. Who is this person I'm about to greet? How old are they? What kind of social standing does this person have? These are all important questions if you're going to why somebody appropriately. But this, for me, is also a place where a why can become an opportunity to show someone respect and that you love them. I often break the whying rules just a little bit, just a little. By Thai standards, all of this stuff is actually very clear. There are specific rules about how to do this, what kind of standing other people have. But what I try to do is I try to be more generous with my why than maybe would be normal. I try to why people in a way that gives them more social status than maybe they actually have. For me, it feels a lot like when I was back in the military. In order to know if you're going to salute someone or when you should salute them, you have to know your own rank and you have to know the rank of the other person. Except in Thailand, I get to cheat a little bit and decide for myself what rank the other person is going to have. What I'm trying to say to them is, you are a very important person. You have great, great value in the eyes of your creator. To me, greeting someone with a why feels like an opportunity to be humble and considerate with other people. Well, as we talk, I spend some time talking about missions and how God is growing his kingdom in places like Thailand, we can see that Philippians chapter 2 is, in a way, a text about missions. It speaks about the day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The day when this takes place will be a powerful day. But what might just surprise us is the truth about how that powerful day will come to be. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is working to heal relationships that have been hurt within the Philippian church. He's working to bring peace where there has been strife and pain. And he makes it clear to the Philippian believers that the deepest, truest, and longest lasting peace comes from a position of humility. But when all this takes place, when healing and restoration and peace really, truly happens, the kingdom of God grows and the work of missions becomes powerful to the glory of God. What we learned from this text this morning is that we find a new mission for our lives in Jesus' humility for us. We find a new mission for our lives in Jesus' humility for us. Well, the first thing that Paul teaches us is that our mission begins with what Jesus has already given to us. As we read a chapter like Philippians 2, it would be easy for us to walk away saying, Paul says, peace with others comes from being humble. Therefore, we should be humble. Go be humble, right? And it would be easy for me to just tell you that. Be humble. Just do it. But that's not what Paul does here, is it? Paul doesn't begin with what God demands from us, he begins with what God has given to us. He warms 
our hearts with the things that will draw us closer to the heart of our Father. He shows us why serving God isn't a willpower game to just grit our teeth and produce blind obedience to some heartless, powerful being in the sky. Before God calls us to live for him, he shows us just how much he loves us. He woos us. He speaks to the deepest longings of our hearts. He forgives, he heals, he blesses, he gives, and then he calls us to join him in his work. This is how Paul encourages the Philippian church toward humble lives. He shows them just how much they've been given in Jesus Christ. He begins verse 1 saying, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. Paul reminds them of the encouragement that they have in Christ. Have you ever had an older brother or an older sister who encouraged you to do things that you never thought were possible? I'm an oldest child, so I've never had an older brother or sister, but I've had people in my my life who were like older brothers and sisters to me. If we trust in him, Jesus is our older brother. He has gone before us. He lived the life that we should have lived. He already died the death that we should have died. And he returned from that death to open the pathway that we need to spend eternity with God. Because he made it, we know that in him we will make it too. On days when it feels like we can do absolutely no good, we find encouragement and hope in our older brother, Jesus Christ. Paul then brings to mind the comfort that they have from love. Think about what it means to be loved by God. To know that the all-powerful creator of the universe who made you and knows absolutely everything there is to know about you loves you. Because of our older brother Jesus, our Father loves us with a love that will never go away and cannot be taken from us. Like a father who greets us each morning with a big, warm hug. God, our Father, loves us with a strong, faithful, unmoving, unchanging love. On the days of our darkest grief, we find comfort in the rock-steady love of God our Father. Paul then reminds the Philippian church of the participation that they have in the Spirit. The Spirit of God who hovered over the waters of creation, who breathed into Adam to give life to the first human being, who granted flesh and life to a valley of dry bones, who without the assistance of a human father conceived in Mary the very Son of God, 
who descended like fire and brought understanding and order to a world divided by different languages so that the gospel message could go forth. This same Spirit lives in the followers of Jesus Christ. And He brings this same power to bear in our lives. He creates spiritual life where there was only death. He transforms us so we look more and more like Jesus every single day. And he is the down payment of our salvation, guaranteeing that we will one day receive our eternal inheritance. On the weakest, most lifeless days, we find life and strength in the participation that we have in the Spirit of God. From the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for us, this relationship that we have with the triune God, we find affection and sympathy for our brothers and sisters in Christ. From what God has already done for us, we find the energy and passion to love others in the same way that God has loved us. It isn't until we are reminded of these things that Paul turns to what he wants the Philippian believers to do. We can have peace with God. We can have peace with other people. And we can have peace within our own hearts because of what Jesus Christ did for us so many years ago. This is the same transformation that changes the world. It is Christ's work that brings the power of the gospel to the nations in every corner of the globe. But before it can change the world, it needs to change each of us. We can't offer to others what we don't already have for ourselves. Well, once we've seen what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ, we can begin to explore how we live as people on mission every single day. Paul shows us that a life on mission is a life of exceptional humility. It's a life of exceptional humility. It's not always easy living with other people, right? I mean, if we're honest. The closer we get to one another the more often we find those things that drive us nuts about other people. The deeper our relationships get with people, the greater chance that they're going to hurt us. This is one of the reasons holidays can be such difficult times for some families. Fewer relationships are deeper than family. Fewer hurts run deeper than the hurts we can inflict and receive from our own family members. But Paul helps us how we can find peace when he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being of, in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In essence, Paul tells the Philippian church and us, we live together in peace with others when we consider others more significant than ourselves. Now that sounds simple enough, but living it out is more difficult than it sounds. Think about it. 
Where do most of our conflicts come from with other people? They come from the fact that we believe that our point of view, our idea, our way of doing things is better or more important than someone else's. Kids fight over toys because they believe themselves to be more worthy of the toy than their brother, sister, or friend. Teenagers get jealous over cell phones, boyfriends, girlfriends, cars, whatever, because they believe they deserve it more than other people. And as adults, we roll our eyes, we gossip about other people, we bicker about things, and we even end up in front of judges because deep down in our hearts, we truly believe that we are better, smarter, wiser, and more important than the people around us. If we're honest with ourselves, the very thought of reversing this dynamic is terrifying. But why? Why are we so scared to submit ourselves to the needs and the benefits of other people? We're afraid because we believe we will lose. We will be forgotten. We will get hurt. We will suffer. We will be abused. If we don't look out for ourselves first, the world is going to run right over the top of us. But Paul paints a very different picture. He recalls the example of the one who humbled himself more than any other person in all of history, Jesus Christ. Think about how much Jesus had to humble himself to do what he did. Before he came to earth, Jesus lived in all of the glories of heaven. Most of all, he lived in the perfect presence and union with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. The only thing that constrained him to come to this earth was his love for the people he created. Nothing outside of himself required that he come, and yet he came. He came to a world filled with sin and pain and death. He felt every ache and pain. He experienced every hunger pang. He knew all too well the struggles of poverty, grief, and loss. He was hated and he was rejected. Even his own disciples misunderstood him. In the end, they abandoned him too. He was delivered up to the most humiliating form of death mankind's wicked mind could possibly conceive. And he received all the wrath of, that the Father could muster against the guilt of the sins of humanity. Now consider this. Paul says Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Paul is, in a sense, he's kind of saying like, Jesus could have complained. God the Father wasn't the one who had to come to earth. He didn't die on a cross. Jesus had to do that. Jesus had to submit himself to the punishment necessary to redeem his people. Jesus had to become the servant. But Jesus didn't bicker with the Father. He didn't get jealous and claim his right to avoid the incarnation, the cross, and death. 
He submitted himself to the will and the perfect plans of God the Father. He became the servant because he knew the blessings of serving and he trusted the Father who sent him. Brothers and sisters, we find peace when we humble ourselves. When in our hearts we understand that other people are more important than we are. We are, sl- we are freed from the slavery of self. We are freed to love other people in the way that they need to be loved. We are freed to minister to people in a way that reaches the deepest needs of their hearts. We are freed to find our own hope, love, joy, and peace in Jesus Christ rather than in our own broken attempts to secure our own rights and our needs. Now, please hear me. By saying that we consider others more significant than ourselves, I'm not saying that God requires us to stay in abusive situations and relationships. Paul is calling Christians to live with the kind of humility that seems radical to our sinful hearts. But that doesn't mean that we must willfully endure abuse from hurtful or dangerous people. Paul himself says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The assumption is that we are already trying to care for ourselves. We don't need to remain in those kind of relationships. And I would say to any of you who are in that kind of situation today, please come talk to somebody. Jesus was abused. He was abandoned. He was even murdered. He knows what it's like. And he cares very deeply for you. I could preach an entire sermon on this topic alone, but I would just encourage you, if you're experiencing this, please talk to someone at this church. I know the leaders of this church would love to bless you and to help you. God doesn't want folks to remain in this kind of abuse, but we need to clarify these kinds of things because becoming humble makes us vulnerable. And in a sinful world, sinful people will take advantage of our vulnerability. God knows this. Jesus lived this. But his promise is that the risk of vulnerability in the task of loving others will pay off with great reward if we trust him. We see this reality in our final point for today. Paul shows us that being people of humility, uh, we are launched out with a whole new mission. When we are people of humility, we are launched out with a whole new mission. We see this when we read the results of Jesus' life and his humility. Paul says, therefore, this is verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The results of Jesus' peacemaking ministry is not a broken, humiliated Savior. It is a mighty King to whom the entire world bows the knee in worship. 
At the sound of his name, all of mankind falls in adoration before him. Jesus' humility brought peace to a broken world. As his disciples took the story of his humility and love to the world in which they lived, the word spread. As they showed people the same kind of humility that Jesus offered, people believed that their story was true, that the change was real and that it could be real for them as well. We are the recipients of that same mission that they began. We have the opportunity to tell the world of a humble Jesus. This same humility, this same peace, if we are willing to live it out before a watching world is the power of the story we share with the world. We see this reality in Thailand already. We've asked a number of Thai Christians what they want to see in missionaries who are sent to come and work in Thailand. Over and over again, we hear the same idea. We want people who are humble. It's pretty much the first words out of their mouths. And they say this because they've experienced missionaries who are not humble. Over and over again, they see people who have come to Thailand with some great ideas about what they're going to do to fix some great social ill, to make life better for Thai people, or even bring thousands of people to faith in Jesus Christ. They arrive in Thailand, they get to work, but they fail to build relationships with Thai churches and Thai Christians and Thai church leaders. As a result, one of two things typically happens. Many people fail to have success in ministry because they don't understand the people and the culture. Or, sometimes even worse, they have some success, but they don't connect the people that they reach to a local Thai church. As a result, when those missionaries go back home, and missionaries always go back home, those Thai Christians are left spiritually orphaned and homeless. But consider what would happen if missionaries approached ministry in Thailand from a position of humility. What if we were humble enough to listen to Thai pastors and church leaders? What if we shaped our ministry around what they know works in their culture and for their people? What if instead of expecting Thai people to speak English with us, we took the time to learn the Thai language? What if we listened to their stories and let them tell us about themselves and their needs and how they see the world? And what if we waited to start talking about them, started talking to them to see how they connect with the story of Jesus and tell them how Jesus is important to them and we wait until we've understood them and so we can explain it to them better so that it reaches the deepest needs of their hearts? What if we love Thai people for who they are, considering them to be more important than ourselves? I dare say we'd have a ministry that reached lots of people. In the end, I believe it would be a ministry that would bring people to worship the Jesus who came to earth for their salvation more than 2,000 years ago. So can I blow your mind for just a minute? The questions that I just listed 
about ministry in Thailand apply just as well right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan and in this area. It might involve more coffee and casserole than rice and curry, but the ideas are the same. Ministry to your community is a ministry that begins with humble hearts, that brings the peace of a humble Savior to people who need Him. What if we were humble enough to work with other Christians from other churches to reach and bless this community? What if we took the time to listen to people when they told us what was going on in their hearts and their lives? And what if rather than expecting them to speak our language, we used their language? Whether that language is Spanish or Arabic or teenager or millennial or old man or whatever the language is. What if we worked for peace with others in our families, in our neighborhoods, by putting our own political opinions aside and really listening to what someone is trying to tell us so that we could tell them of a kingdom that is greater than any earthly nation? What if we put our own needs and our own schedules aside to address the needs of people that God puts in our path on a daily basis? What if we love the people of Grand Rapids and Western Michigan or wherever we find ourselves for who they are and we consider them as more significant than ourselves? What if the words that we bring of a humble Savior were delivered by people who lived with that same kind of humility? This kind of humble, peacemaking life is a life that will bring many people to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm here to tell you that that kind of ministry is not easy. For our family, it has meant giving up things that we wanted to do. Because of the difficulty of learning the Thai language and understanding Thai culture, honestly, we spend more time of our lives not having a clue what is happening around us than really understanding what's happening. It can often be a stressful experience. I actually like to say that we live kind of stuck between two different worlds. We're never going to be fully Thai, but we don't feel like we're all the way American like we used to be. We are somewhere in between those two. Brothers and sisters, living humble missionary lives will make you feel like you are living between two different worlds. And that's because that's precisely what Christians do. We are pilgrims on our way to our true home. And as we travel, we gather people around us. We listen to them, we love them, and we invite them to join us on that last great day, bowing before the now exalted, humble Savior who gave all he had to give us eternal peace. May you find encouragement for this wonderful calling in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, first of all, uh, for your gifts to us. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who indeed humbled himself more than we can ever possibly imagine to come here to be one of us, to love us, to show your love for us, to us, to help us understand that. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, the down payment of our salvation, the down payment for our inheritance. And we just ask, Father, that you help us 
to soak in this every day, to, um, to, to come to really understand it, to know it, to feel it, to uh, make it part of our lives, that we would live our lives of service to you out of that truth of what you have done for us and your love for us. Father, in that, help us to be humble. Help us to be people who love others, who care for others, that they in us would not only see but hear the message of the humble Savior, Jesus Christ, who came for them, uh, that we would speak that to them and live it out before them as well, that they would come to know you and you would be exalted above all, all others. And we pray all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Let's join together, standing to sing. Number 327, One Day He's Coming. Number 327.
forth to a world who needs him, who needs humble Savior and a humble people with his blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.